Hi there, and welcome to the Women's Room Legal Division podcast. Here you'll find conversations with fabulous women working in the law about their careers, challenges they've faced, as well as some live coaching around a specific issue. You'll also find some sessions with me alone, dealing with topics that come up regularly when I coach that I hope you'll find helpful. Enjoy this episode. So today I'm going to cover a topic that comes up pretty regularly with my coaching clients, which is how to feel more comfortable and how to get better at public speaking. And what I'm going to talk about could apply just as much to being in large meetings or even going to an interview. So the first thing that I say you probably already know, which is that everybody finds public speaking daunting to some degree, apart from a few very, very lucky individuals who've learned to enjoy it from an early age. It isn't the public's number one phobia, that is spiders, but but it's pretty high up there in terms of the list of social fears. So how can we get more comfortable doing it and how can we get better at it? I'm going to look at this from two angles, one of which is psychological and the other is some practical top tips about how to prepare and what to do physically, both before you go into the presentation and during it. So I'm just going to start off with a bit of basic psychology, which if you do coaching with me or you listen to some of my other videos, you'll definitely have heard about. And that is that human beings have two really basic needs. One is for connection. And we know there's lots of evidence to show that babies in incubators, for example, fare much, much better if they're given that physical contact. So connection for human beings is really, really important, as is not to be rejected. And if you think about us in our early years of evolution. If you were living in the jungle, in a tribe, and you were rejected, you were cast out from that tribe, your likelihood of survival was incredibly low. So the need not to be rejected is a really deep primal need. And obviously the opportunity to be rejected or feel like you're potentially going to be rejected is pretty great when it comes to public speaking. So I want you to think about what's the worst that can absolutely happen. So You may trip possibly on your way up to the stage, or you might lose your place in terms of what you're saying, or you might freeze for a few seconds. But what's the absolute worst that could happen? I want you to go through that and think, if I did freeze for a few moments, what would that mean? Well, it would mean that it was a bit embarrassing and that I wouldn't feel great when I got off the stage, but it wouldn't mean that I'd lost a limb. No one would have suffered any mortal damage. It wouldn't mean that I'd ruin my career. And I want you to think carefully about that because often people think it would ruin their career, but it's very unlikely to ruin your career or ruin your life. So although it would be embarrassing, nothing really terrible is going to happen. It just won't feel very nice. So that's about reframing the way you're viewing the risk-reward analysis of this opportunity. And that's the next thing that I want you to go on to. So first of all, think about what's the worst that can happen then what's the best that can happen? And then I just want you to really reframe your mindset. So moving from that, oh my God, I can't bear it. I really wish I didn't have to do this. Why have I agreed to do this? To something along the lines of, this is a great opportunity. I'm really lucky that I get to do this. It's a privilege that people want to listen to what I have to say. I have things that I want to tell people. I'll definitely learn or develop from this. I'm excited. This will be fun. I'm going to enjoy this. So I want you to start a conversation in your head that's using phrases like that. So you're completely reframing the way you feel about this opportunity. Maybe also think about it as an experiment, an experiment as to how you're going to feel and how you're going to perform. 
sometimes thinking of something as an experiment and using curiosity is a great way to just remove ourselves from our emotional brain and all the angst that is going on in there and allow us to move into our rational brain and be a bit more dispassionate about what's about to happen and how we perform. So now I'm going to move into what you're going to talk about. And obviously what most people focus on here is the substance of what they're going to say. And that is really, really important. So spend time on that. But what I want you to think about as well is how do you want people to feel when they leave the presentation? So when they walk away from you giving your presentation, how do you really want them to feel? And what are the key messages that you want them to go away with? So most people just try to pack far too much in. And actually audiences at events like this can really only absorb three or four key messages. So what are the key points that you want to get across? What do you want people to feel when they leave? And what words would you like them to use about you when you stop speaking? I once heard someone talk about creating a warm cloak of your presence around an audience, which I think is a really lovely way of describing it. And maybe also think about speakers that you admire. What is it you admire about the way that they speak? What is it about their presence? What's the brand that you really, really want to present to the people you're speaking to? So once you've done that, I'm going to move on to some of the physical prep that you can do ahead of the event. So we know there is lots of research out there about the impact that your mind can have on your body and that your body can have on your mind. If I had a bit more time, I would get, go through an exercise where I'd get you to imagine cutting open a lemon and then sucking on it and then asking you to see if anything physical has happened to you as a result of what you've been imagining. And what most people say is that they've got more saliva in their mouth. So nothing has happened physically. You've just been imagining something and yet there's been an, an absolutely physical change in your body. And if you think about other things like uh, maybe your hair standing up on end when you're, or blushing when you're embarrassed and even tears, they're all things that happen which start with a thought. And there've been various studies, as I said, about how your body can impact on the way you feel, including people being asked to hold a pencil in their mouths, which lifts the ends of their lips up and actually makes them feel better as a result of doing that. And an example of this that you've probably all heard about is power posing, which comes from a TED talk that Amy Cuddy did quite a few years ago now. Now a little bit controversial in terms of the evidence base for the trials that she conducted, but nonetheless still really, really powerful. And what power posing is about, so power posing, lifting your arms up, is all about expanding your body, making yourself bigger, but more importantly, opening this front part of your body where all your internal organs are stored. And if you think about what you're doing there is you're saying, I'm not scared, I'm completely confident. If someone comes to attack me, I'm confident that I can deal with it. And there are some quite gendered examples of this where you'll often see men who are feeling very relaxed and comfortable in their own skin, sitting at a desk, putting their hands behind their heads, leaning back, maybe even putting their feet up on the table. And someone once told me about an example of a man who actually closed his eyes when he was interviewing him. So, so you can imagine he's just saying, I have no fear. I am the king of the jungle. You can come at me and I'll be completely fine. And what you often see with women, but also lots of other people, is the complete opposite of this, which is the closing down of the shoulders, the protection of the internal organs, maybe even holding the throat to really protect yourself from any potential attacker. And what all of this does is it sends a message to your body. 
So if you adopt a more open, confident posture, it will send a message to your mind to say, oh, actually, she's feeling confident. So we don't need to run into fight or flight mode and send cortisol coursing around our body and send all our blood flow to the limbic part of our brain. We can stay in the rational part of our brain and be confident and relaxed. So I'd really encourage you to find a quiet space. Obviously, a bathroom is the obvi obvious place and to do a power pose for two minutes, but not a power pose. When I ask people to do a power pose, what I often get is them putting their hands up like this, quite a shunk way. I want you to really lift your arms up, head back and chest up, armpits open. Pretend you're Usain Bolt just having won the 100 meters gold for the umpteenth time. And I want you to hold it for two minutes and just see, just see if it makes a difference to how you feel. And then after that, what I'd like you to do is a physical shakeout, which is one of the things actors do to prepare before they go on stage. So you want to literally shake all of the tension out of every bit of your body. So shake, shake your shoulders, shake your hands, shake your legs, move your mouth around, get some blood flow going into your face, and then take some really deep breaths in and longer breaths out. Because again, a longer out breath will just help to, help to calm your nervous system. And we know when we're scared of feeling anxious, our breathing becomes more shallow and faster. So again, you're sending a message to your brain by really slowing your breath, taking deeper breaths. I'm just going to talk about practicing as well. I would really, really encourage you to practice your talk. I would practice the power posing and the physical shakeout before you go into the talk. But if you're anything like me, you will do whatever you can to avoid practicing and you will procrastinate. This is usually down to some level of fear about the fact that you're going to have to do this presentation. You don't want to face up to it. You'd like to avoid it. You're just going to do it when you're really, really forced into it at the very last moment. It is much, much better to practice if you can. You'll feel much easier when you're in the event if you know you've been through it a number of times before. And you'll also you'll also like you to tinker with a few things that will make it easier for you to deliver the speech that you're giving. If you can bear to, I would practice in front of someone else and get their feedback, but ask for quite limited feedback and ask them to be kind when they're giving it. And you could also record yourself and then play it back and see how that feels, but try not to obsess too much. So really practice, practice at least three or four times before you go to the main event. Then let's move on to other bits of preparation. So slides and notes. So one of the things, one of the traps that people often fall into with slides is that they write slides, which are exactly what they're going to say. And that's incredibly boring for the audience, but feels quite safe and comfortable for you. That's not what you're aiming for. What you're aiming for is to get the audience to leave with your three or four key messages. So use slides that are going to send a message and that help reinforce the messages that you're trying to get across. Don't just write out a brief summary of what you're going to be saying. Pictures are great if you can find something that really helps to emphasize what you're talking about, particularly if they're funny. And then every slide I would ask, so what? You know, what's the point of the slide? What message is it, is it sending? Sometimes they're quite useful for putting information up that you want people to read but that you don't want to talk about. So you can use them in, in that way. But what you don't want to do is to have them be a transcript of exactly what it is you're going to be saying. And then in terms of notes that you take in with you, obviously, traditionally, people will try and take record cards. You'll see a lot of people now with their mobile phone. It's really up to you, whatever makes you feel most comfortable. And I would say if you really feel very, very uncomfortable and you feel much better reading from a script, then by all means, 
create a script and read from it, but print it out with very big writing and then practice reading it and then practice looking up. So it looks as though you're not reading it, but you're engaging with your audience. So it becomes much more of a performance. Don't just have your head down and start reading exactly what you're going to say, but try at the last few words to look up and then look back down at what you've written, look back up again, engage with the audience. So now we're moving into the event. You've done your preparation, you've done your power pose, you've done your shakeout, you've done your deep breathing. You're actually going to start talking. So again, during the event, remember that your body will communicate with your mind. So adopt a confident posture, open up your chest, breathe slowly, maybe have your feet on the ground, have your hands in a relaxed position, open the front of your body, and then talk more slowly than you think is humanly possible. Again, because you're going to be nervous potentially, and because you know what you're going to say, in all likelihood, you're going to talk much, much faster than it's possible for people to follow what you're saying. So just think, slow it down. And again, you could practice by videoing yourself and talking much, much more slowly than you would normally and see how it feels. Does it feel ridiculous in the video? And in fact, it gives you a bit more time to put more emphasis and bring more inflection into what you're saying. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, I've probably been talking too fast during this video. If that's not right, you can always put me on double speed. You also really need to allow time for any jokes that you've included to land. I still remember an event where I was talking and I'd included something I think it still is actually quite a good joke, but I rushed through it. I gave it no time to land and I gave people no time to respond. So if you're going to do a joke, you've got to commit to it. You've got to leave people time to react. And if you leave that little bit of silence, most people will react because they're generally kind and they're generally on your side when you're talking. The other thing is to remember if you're sitting on a stage with other people that you should be on the whole time, even when you're not speaking. So you're still on display. This is still a performance. Do whatever you can to charm your audience and woo them, whether you're speaking or not. And then the last thing I'd really encourage you to do is to just spend a bit of time after the event reflecting on how it went. So you could maybe ask a friend for some feedback. Again, you don't want too much. It doesn't need to be too detailed. Just any little pointers that would really help you build to be even better next time. So don't think of it as criticism. Think of it as training. Like, what is it that I need to do to run a bit faster or just do a bit better when I'm speaking next time? And then think, how did it feel? How did I feel before? How did I feel after I'd reframed the way I was thinking about the event? How does it feel now I've done it? And it's very likely that you're going to have some level of high when it's over, even if it's just because it is over. I want you to remember that feeling. Just log it and remember it because you'll be able to come back to that when you next feel nervous about giving your next talk. And then give yourself credit. Give yourself a reward. You know, give yourself a pat on the back because that's something that we tend not to do. We're all very good at analyzing what we could have done better, but we're not so good about saying, that's actually fantastic that I did it. So well done, me. Uh, I got up there. I was nervous, but I delivered it and it went pretty well. So good on me. And that means next time when you come to it, you'll hopefully feel a bit more enthusiastic about the opportunity, about the opportunity to learn. Remember, this is a journey and you may even get to a point on your journey when you actually start to really enjoy the opportunity to speak to an audience. So good luck. I'd love to hear how you get on. I'd love to hear if this is helpful or if there's anything else that you, any top tips you have that I should add in. 
And thank you for listening. That's all for this episode of the Women's Room Legal Division podcast. If you liked this episode, do subscribe to the show and follow the Women's Room Legal Division on the links in the show notes. If you are or if you know an amazing woman in law who you think should be on this podcast, or if there are any specific coaching topics you'd like me to cover in my standalone sessions, please do get in touch using the contact me link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.